Uh, hey, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. Uh, it's good to see all of you, without exception. Uh, we're Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered. We're biblically based. We're compelling. We're casual. We're community. Uh, and we have outlines. We have pens. We have Bibles for your use. Our ushers are coming up. They've got prayer request cards. If you'd like to fill that out, drop it in the offering plate at the end. We would love to pray for you. And while they are uh, coming down the aisle, just get their attention, wave at them or something, they'll get you what you need. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a little postcard we have in the back, a little conference called Forensic Faith. It's being hosted by Valley Bible Church. Uh, they consider us um, safe enough that they'd invite us too. So uh, they, sent, they wrote us a nice letter and sent us a bunch of cards. It's this coming Saturday. Uh, it's a four-session conference, Saturday only. Uh, by Warner Wallace. He's a former forensic de homicide detective and self-proclaimed atheist who did a little research and said that it all lined up. So he's going to take a little bit of a scientific approach at the Bible and kind of apologetics and stuff. And with us doing theology and doctrine, it kind of fits timing-wise with our church. And so if you're interested in that, it's this coming Saturday. There's uh, these. There's these in the back. Um, don't show up here. It's at their place, right? Over by the where the, inter, uh, the freeways intersect. Uh, yeah, by Club Sport, which has now apparently got a new name, which I don't know what it is, and is great evidence that I don't work out. <laughs> if you didn't know that already, so... Uh, man, excited to be here. We are in week four of our theology series, and we're actually in week four of just talking about God to start off. And we did week uh, one, God as himself. Uh, how is he described himself? Before we talk about us or others or uh, other types of doctrine, uh, who is he as himself? Week two, we went over God and you. If he is all of those things, how does it play out for you? Uh, then we got into another concept that's kind of played out later into Scripture, that is uh, God as Trinity, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We had some fun evidence that we looked at last week. Gave you proof that Trinity actually is in the Bible. Maybe not the Word, but proof of it's in the Bible in many different places, and we had a little fun with that. Uh, today we're doing part four about God God and others, and we're going to look, about, look at that. So now that we know who he is, who he is with us, and who are the intricate players in that trinity, now we can see how it plays out in other ways. And actually, this is only one of the names for today. Uh, God and others can be named a couple different ways, and those that have studied a little bit of this kind of know you could call it several other things as well. So I'm going to give you several titles for the morning as we go through the morning. Okay, we're going to have a little fun with it, and we're not going to get all freaked out because freaked out people have no fun. Okay, uh, let's pray, and then we'll jump into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for this morning. Thanks that they're both your creation. Thank you that we are as well. And we should be reminded this morning that there's another creation highly important to you. It's called other people. It's part of your mission. It's part of your purpose. And Father, I pray that you would show it to us this morning in new ways with more clarity. 
Help us be excited and passionate because we know you are. And so, Father, bless this time, bless your word, bless these people, and uh, keep track of me. We pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, why? Isn't that the worst question? Or the best question? Why? Hey, kids, we're cleaning the yard today. Why, right? Um, you're boss comes in, we're going to have a meeting, the company's going another direction, and as they're explaining why the company is going to go a new direction, all of the questions may be phrased in many different ways, but really the underlying question is, why? Why are we doing this? Why that? What's the purpose of? What's the intention? Why is like one of those questions we love because it gives us meaning, definition, maybe understanding. Uh, Some of us want clarity. Or at the end of something, we want closure, right? These are all things that base themselves around why. Is why important? It is. I love the beginning of Genesis. It's one of my favorite books. I think it starts there on purpose for all of the reasons. Uh, And yet I love, jokingly, sarcastically, ironically, to have the discussion with people who are yet to be convinced that Genesis 1 and 2 are accurate and they get into scientific stuff. And uh, shame on Christians for trying to go scientific on Genesis 1 and 2 as well because it's the weirdest thing I figured out in seminary. Genesis 1 and 2 is poetry. It's Hebrew poetry. You mean it's not science? No, it's poetry. It tells us what happened And who did it? In a poetic way, paints a picture, adds color, gives you many different angles to look at it. But it never tells you how. It never tells you when. It might allude to it. Well, how? Well, God did it. Right? Uh, That's one of the only assumptions one of my seminary professors would make. If you'd ask him about creation, well, how did it happen? And And you're expecting some big, long, detailed answer from this seminary professor with a doctorate and everything. He says, well, not sure, but I know God did it. Uh, Because the premise, for me at least, and I think for many others who studied it, uh, Genesis is not about how and when. It's about who and what. Does the Bible talk about how and when? In other places, about other things, but not necessarily creation. It'll talk about how and when for many other things. But where does the Bible talk about why? And I would submit to you that it, it talks about why throughout the whole thing. It probably gets to why somewhere around the Gospels, where it emphatically states, this is why everything happens. What's the meaning of life? What's our purpose? Why are we here? It all kind of comes to a head right around the Gospels. And right around the Gospels, when we get the why, we then can go look back and say, well, was why, was it playing itself out from the beginning? Was it playing it out itself out in the 12 tribes, in the history of Israel? What about in the diaspora? What about like in the, when they were um, alienated and taken off to uh, other countries? What about after Christ and, and the beginning of the church and the death of the apostles and all that? Was why still playing itself out? And I think it's an incredible question, right? 
I remember uh, moving to Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, Julie, the kids, and we, uh, we, we got a job at a mega church and uh, Fellowship Bible Church, which uh, when you say it, you have to say it with a southern accent, okay? And forgive me, I was with a southern gentleman last night and I got to hear his accent and it's really worn off. I was like, I want to go back to the south right now. Anyways, uh, so we're at Fellowship Bible Church. And uh, we're at an event, and we're still new to the church. We're still meeting people. And the event wasn't about us, but we're, we're meeting people. And this guy came up and said, hey, you the, you the new pastor? I said, I'm sorry, in English, please? No. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that's, that's us. You moved all the way out here from California, work at Fellowship? See, they would never say Bible church. They just, just fellowship, right? I said, yeah, yeah, we moved all the way. He says, Why? And I, I, it was the weirdest moment because I was dealing with accent and a one-word question, and then I was trying to figure out his intent. Like I want to say, why you ask why? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know where to go. I was kind of stuck, and I tried to awkwardly make my way out of the conversation. It's like I got to get some more coffee. I'll talk to you later. You know, I, it's the weirdest question because there's so many different ways to answer the question. If I asked you, what's our purpose? Why are we here? What's the point? I'm hoping that you would look at the top of the outline and take the hint and say, well, I'm guessing it has to do with God and others, right? Without a Southern accent. And that's what I want to point out to you today because I think what we're going to find out today is we're going to get a glimpse, really a full movie almost, on why are we here. If God is as himself, the things that we described three weeks ago, what was the point of that? What's the advantage of that? If he approaches us the way that we described two weeks ago, if he is uh, functionally playing his role out through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what's the advantage? What's the purpose? And I would say uh, it's absolutely clear. And we're going to get to uh, God's why. Uh, In some ways, we would call it God's mission. What's a mission that God's on? What's his purpose statement, right? We're going to get into that now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I love this eight-verse section. I actually wrote a paper on it in seminary, uh, and I'll explain why I had to do a paper on it, and then I'm going to make you do the paper in like four seconds. Okay, we're going to have a little argument, (coughs) um, discussion. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look up or look down. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. All right. For the love of Christ controls us. I want to ask you, there's two options there. Do you see the two options? The love of Christ. Uh, Here's how I'm going to point out the two options. Whose love? Which love it? Christ or your love of Christ? Christ's love of you or your love of Christ? Ooh. That's a hard one, Scott. I'm not quite sure. Well, it's because I believe Paul put this in the genitive tense. What's that mean? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. It's a a Greek term. All right. There are some people that care. But it, it remains ambiguous a little bit because it literally is in Greek. Love of Christ. Christ's love. Now the question is, is that meant to be Christ's love for you? or your love for Christ. Now, I had to write a paper on that. 
and you were supposed to pick a side. You have four seconds. Pick a side. Christ's love for you or your love for Christ? How many people said Christ's love for you? How many people said your love for Christ? And how many said, I refuse the question, I'm going with both? <laughs> winners! Yes, at Rock Bible Church, we have winners and losers. Uh, I went with both, and then I had to make an argument for both. Uh, and I passed the paper, so I, I know somebody liked it at least. Uh, but here's the thing. That's not even the worst part of the sentence. What's the next word? The love of Christ. Control. Isn't that your favorite word? Sarcasm. Anybody want to be controlled? Why would you need to be controlled? You need to be controlled if you were off. If you were sideways. If something's twisted. I want to make the argument that what's off, what's sideways, what's twisted is why. Why are we here? What's God up to? Why did he create us? How did he design you? All of those things play into his plan. And if you're off his plan, then there's the implication that maybe, maybe we should add some control to get you back on the plan. And I want you to see, this is where Paul's going to go with this. We're going to see something blatantly clear. If you miss this one, I'm really worried about you, okay? I know you won't miss it. But, and then we're also going to see a verse that you've heard a hundred times and like you memorize, you, you know it, and you, you're excited. And you're like, oh, I recognize that verse. But we're going to play it out within context of this passage, all right? So here we go. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, right? This is one thing we know. That one has died for all. Who is that? Okay. Therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for man you're in the wrong country yeah we're in the country where everybody lives for themselves pick a channel pick a show turn it on and then turn it off right i mean pretty much we're professionals at living for self we're professionals at competing we're professionals at subjection of others and the whole thing. And, and Jesus is telling us, no, that's, that's not the plan. We need to control you a little. We need to get back on plan because uh, we're not living for ourselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus uh, died on the cross and was raised again for you. That's a purpose statement. Why? I'm beating this question into your head because I really want it to be curious for you. I really want an appetite within you of, I need to know why, because Scott's beating this thing about why. Why'd Christ go to the cross? Hey, why creation in the first place? Why end it? You know it's going to end, right? Let's figure out, because you know what? All this stuff better tie together, or I'm out. I'm going to go watch the end of the game and get some pizza. Right? If it doesn't tie in, if it doesn't make sense, I'm moving on to something else. Here's the thing. I've been fighting with the dude for 50 years and yet to find an out. Pretty much concluded that he's right. And I want to help you conclude the same. Okay? So, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
verse 16, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh as a human, as a teacher, as a leader, as a historical figure, we regard him thus no longer. We regard him as Lord and Savior. And we're going to get into doctrines later. Uh, Jesus as deity and Jesus as man, as human. Okay, they're both important and they're both 100% true. Scott, that's improper math. Amen. Because God does more than math. Amen. Right? I kind of like the love thing that he does. That's, that's a little better than math. Any, anybody with me on that? Okay. Um, so we don't, not, he's not just human. He's, he's deity now. He's God for us. He's Savior. He's Christ, Messiah. Verse 17. If then anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You heard that verse before? Oh man, if you've gone to church like 12 times, you probably heard that verse. It's a great verse. Uh, sad thing for me, never really knew that it was in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the five uh, concepts that are going to come out of this because I just knew it as this one standalone memory verse that I got in my daily devotional or something like that. I missed the context. But I need you to see the context because uh, why is the old passed away? And why are we going to new? Well, because Christ, right, on the cross. Yeah, yes, yes. And why? What's purpose? What's the play out? Change what? Ooh, the why, the plan. Because you need some control in your life because things are a little off, right? Told you you're living in the wrong country, right? Let's find out what this all is. Let's, let's go uh, verse 18. Uh, all this is from God who through Christ, what? Okay, that was D minus. You get, you get above an F for effort. Okay, we're going to try it again. I know this is like not a kindergarten word. It's a little bit higher. Maybe third grade. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? We're going to try it again, okay? After Christ, I'm going to stop, and you're going to say reconciled, okay? Uh, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us. What's to reconcile? Come together. Accountants do reconciling, right? We, we got numbers over here and we got numbers over here. Do they match? Can we balance every penny? Can we bring back together? Can we make right? Can we heal? Okay, this is the concept. Uh, through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of that is, in Christ, God was the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, that's forgiveness and salvation, by the way, against them, and entrusting to us the message of Okay? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have a job. God making his appeal through us. God's appealing. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be to God. I told you it was obvious. I told you you wouldn't mess it. What is God's why for all of us? Reconciliation. Notice, and this is kind of brilliant. Paul uses almost every form of the word. Reconciling, reconciled, reconciliation, right? Therefore, be reconciled, right? Um, you know, the Bible generally repeats things three times. When it wants you to know, 
Paul goes, yeah, three is good, but I'm going to go one more than that, and then I'm going to go one more than that even more. Because I need you to get the point. God's number one plan, his mission, his purpose, his vision, his desire, his intention is reconciliation with his, his what? His everything. It all belongs to him. And he wants to be connected. We've been saying it in church for a while now. He wants an intentional, immersive, interactive relationship with you. That's what he wants. Now, is it just for you? No, it's for all or others. Hence, the title, Doctrine of Others, or God and Others. Folks, this is maybe one of the foundational pieces of all of theology. Now, if that's the why, reconciliation, can we go back and start asking questions like, why create in the first place? There's no disunity. There's nothing to reconcile if we don't create anything. It says, because I want a relationship with all of my creation. I'm going to create everything to have a relationship with all of my creation. I want to have a party. I want to have people around, entities around. Right Now creation starts to make a little more sense. When we look at that why, the what he created and who he created start to make more sense. The why does he walk around in the garden with Adam and Eve after they mess it up starts to make more sense. I want to reconcile. I will not let them go on without me. I will show up on the scene and I'm going to take charge. Why kick him out of the garden? Well, I want them ultimately reconciled. And if there's sin around, I want to make sure they don't live forever because that'll put a hamper on our ability to be reconciled. So I'm going to protect them from sin and eternity combined by taking them out of paradise. Well, now it's not a punishment. Now it's protection. Why does he come and wrestle with Jacob? Why does he come to Abraham? Why does he come to David? Why does he come to all the different people? Why does he pull Paul aside and say, Paul, I need you to teach, and not just teach. I want you to teach the lion's share. In fact, I'm going to have you write like 13 books of the New Testament. Everybody's going to call it Scripture because they are way off. And I need somebody to explain it to them. Because I'm a good guy, I'm still active, I love them, and I want them back. All that stuff I did with Jesus, I need you to highlight it. In fact, we're going to start an organization. It's called The Church. <gasps> If this is the why, does it make you look at church differently? Does it make you look at your own talents differently? That he might have a calling for you? Absolutely. It pulls all those things together and even makes you say, well, I understand why it's going to end. Because in ending earth, we can experience a better reconciliation at next I start looking at it that way. Man, it sounds awesome. Sign me up. For our sake, verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might experience reconciliation. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Eight verses, 
What a wonderful little section of scripture. Starts off with the love of Christ and we're gonna be controlled. Why? So that we can get back on the path of reconciliation and understand it as his, as his priority. All right, let's get into the fill-ins. Now I was gonna have some fun with the fill-ins and I was gonna force you to spell reconciliation. And then as I was building it, I thought to myself, oh, that sounds like a mean teacher. I'll give it to them so they have it. They don't have to write as much. No writer's cramp, no spelling errors. I'll have them fill in something else like God and mission. Those are easier to spell and more simple. And when I give them, God has one mission of reconciliation. It'll be easier for you and you have the right spelling of reconciliation. Problem is, I forgot to blank out God and mission on your fill out. <laughs> and I was on such a roll, I missed it on the second one too. Because I had started doing it at the bottom, three and four, and I was going back to fix one and two. I was so excited. I'm human. Doctrine of humanity, coming up later. Uh, God has one mission of reconciliation. Does that sound clear? I mean, five times I made you say the word. I told you you wouldn't miss it, right? Now, let's have a little fun, okay? Even you guys up in the cheap seats, right? These, these are the expensive seats. Nate got a new job that he's the only one that can afford these seats. I want you to tell me in that sense, what's the one piece that makes you question a little? The one thing that you might push back against. The one thing you might have a problem with. I'm, I'm only going to let you pick one. Okay? Any guesses? Why would that, why would one bother you? One mission? I mean, Scott, that doesn't make sense. In fact, I'm just questioning your knowledge of the Bible altogether. I, I know there's many, many missions. We're doing a mission right here to middle class Pleasantonian, Dublin, Livermore people. We did one earlier at nine. There's a mission to kids going on out there. We do a mission trip to Mexico. We got missions going on with the Vietnamese up in the hills. We've got all kinds of mission trips that we've yet to do. There must be many missions of God. And I would say, wrong. God has one mission to reconcile everyone to him. I don't know if you notice this, but you will continue to notice this moving forward, that on all Rock Bible Church paraphernalia, anytime we put there, there's never an S after mission. When we go on the Mexico mission trip, singular. Now, do we have many Mexico mission trips? Yes. Do you have many ministries? Yes. But there's one mission. God has one plan, one focus. Uh, I would say there, there are almost really isn't even a secondary mission. Everything ties into his one mission. He wants you and he wants them, doesn't he? This is how we start to understand God and others. He comes to earth, he comes to people, he comes with a message, he comes with prophets, he comes to you, sometimes in your dreams, sometimes through the words of others, sometimes through your experience. Why? He's trying to get your attention. Does he want other people's attention? 
Absolutely. He has one mission, and it's reconciliation of all people to himself. Things start to really make sense after that. Love what it says in verse 21 of this, where it says this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Scott, you had five different words of reconciliation forms that you could have used as your reference for this, and you use one of the only verses in the whole section that doesn't have that word in it to justify that word? Yes. Didn't you take English? You never use a word to define a word. What's verse 21 tell us? Tell us, he reconciled us through his son on the cross. And everything else in the chapter is saying, that's what I want you to help me do with everybody else too. I want them to hear the message. I want you to have that ministry. I want you to be about it all the time and never be confused. We're not going to start a car ministry. We don't have a mission to math tutors. We've got a mission for God, a reconciliation. That's the only thing. Now, can we do that with math people? Absolutely. Right? We're not going to let them define Genesis 1 and 2. Can we do it with people that are car enthusiasts? Or like bacon? Yeah. We can do it many different ways. We can have many, many, many ways that people get to the gospel. Most of which we won't approve of. <laughs> But the, the, the joy is getting them to the gospel, right? So let's, let's continue to look at this. God has one mission of reconciliation, and the message of God is for, how many say it all? Because, well, all right, it's already filled in. I know, second of my mistakes this week. He has a message of God, this God for all people. I love how the passage is trying to reconcile the world to himself. That's pretty definitive, What's that do to your definition of every other person you run into on the street? They're a target. Who's got them in the crosshairs? God. He wants them. Likes them. Loves them. Created them. Gifted them. Called them. All this kind of stuff. In fact, he's hoping that they will be a fool for him. You saying that he... Uh, sought you, brought you, and bought you. Did he do more than that? Yeah. Why? Because he wants reconciliation. Will he do more than that for other people? Create them, design them, call them, gift them, bless them, heal them, teach them, take them home? Uh, folks, when we understand why, even death has new meaning. To party. <laughs> yeah, but we lost and they're dead. And, yes, and they are reconciled. They're back. They're whole. Cry a little. But have good food and party. Right? It's a microcosm of the party to come. It's going to be awesome. Are you going to be there? Right? That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. And uh, God has that message for all people. 
Is that message in your daily routine? Is that message spinning in your inner dialogue? Is that message ingrained into your emotions? Your habits? Your planning? Your schedule? Your finances? All the above. You see, when we get the primary right, everything else can fall into place. And you start to make sense out of it. It's a wonderful design. Uh, see, there's a message of God for everyone. Uh, thirdly, I know it's rough. You're going to have to start writing down now finally, right? Uh, God has a ministry for all, right? Verse 18, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You just got a uniform. You know the funnest days of the season when you make the team and the very next day is pass out uniforms. I want to be number two. Oh, John got two. All right, I'm going to be number four. And for the rest of the year, you just spend the whole year talking about how you made the team at tryouts and you got a cool uniform. Is that how you spend the rest of the year? No. It goes from the best day to the worst day. Right? Because once you got your uniform, you're, you're dying, right? You're sleeping with it on or you're putting it under your pillow, right? You're waiting. Why? Because you want to actually play, perform, compete. You know one of the greatest things about God's why, God's reconciliation, God's purpose, mission, vision, is that he does it with you. You get to put on you, know, you get to actually participate. Go do something. You have a message. You have a ministry. And folks, there's, there's nothing like that. To solve a math problem is cool. When you get points on the test and then your grade reflects it, and then what? Oh, man, i got to take the next math class? What a letdown. To get married is cool. There's so many things that are great. And then all of a sudden you find out it's a little bit of work. You get that first job. You get that first job. And now you're on the phone eight hours a day. Congratulations. <laughs> right? There's, there's rough parts. You know what's amazing? And there's no rough part to it. When you do something that has heavenly ramifications where you help someone see change heal something in their relationship with the lord you save a marriage you give clarity to somebody who's been hurt so many times by the church that they recognize it wasn't god it was dumb people you help people get to some of those things things that they've been confused about in the scripture and they you explain it to them a new way and they go oh that makes sense for the first time where's the downside in that nothing we get all excited because Jesus said things. You know, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to lift up and go over and fall into the sea. And we go, wow, wouldn't that be cool if we had that much faith? No, that's like the very beginning. How boring. I'd rather save a marriage. Now, would you rather put a bunch of dirt in the ocean or watch two people start getting along finally? Who used to be deeply in love and now... They're back deeply in love. That fight thing we did, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. 
Why? Well, because God's about reconciliation. Let me understand that, that you understand how this works. And yeah, you were wrong in this, but you were kind of right in that. You were wrong in this, but you're kind of right in that. Well, get over it. That's the summary of a counseling session with Scott. But to be in a place where you can help people be genuinely excited about the Lord. Especially if it's your kids or somebody you care about. And you learn that there's other people you should be caring about that your kids aren't special. Man, it just starts to grow. You have a message and you have a ministry. Put your uniform on and start playing. You will win. You're set up for success. In the end... You're on the correct team. Which I want to play and I want to compete and I want to have the best opposition possible. But eventually I want to win. Right? Okay. Uh, look at this. Acts 1.8. Uh, Luke is writing to us. It's one of the most famous verses when it comes to mission. It says this. You will receive power and I'm in. I'm getting power? I haven't even told you what the power is for. I don't care. I get power and influence. I, yeah. Right? I'm like a white, red blooded, middle aged. I just want influence. I want to do stuff, right? Uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So, where's the power from? It's from God, it's from the Holy Spirit. Uh, why would He give you power? For you to be on His mission, on His plan. And you will be my witnesses. Witnesses have a message. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. All right. Now we got to find out where the end of the earth is, and then we only have to go to four places. Is that it? No. What's the point? What's the feel? Where do we go? Everywhere. everywhere. This is his mission for all people everywhere. Uh, any guesses on how time plays into that? At all times, right? All times, all places, all people called all-inclusive, and it's not a vacation. But I, I apologize that we just killed you. What? What do you mean we just killed you? I just made you martyrs. Actually, I didn't. Luke did. Luke wrote it, Holy Spirit-driven. He wrote down, you have to be a martyr now. Anybody nervous about that? Martyr means you're going to die for something you stood up for, right? Is that what it means? Anybody thinking maybe Scott's going somewhere with this and it's not what I thought? It's a trap. You're being trapped. You're being baited. He's been around too long. All right? Um, the word witnesses in Greek, martos. It's where we get the word martyr. The word martyr never never means anything about dying. It is a modern definition that we have adopted because witnesses, martyrs, went out enough and shared messages enough that some of them were killed. By that definition, no one need die to be a martyr because a martyr simply has a message and delivers the message. What happens after that? has nothing to do with that definition. God's intention was not for you to die. God's intention was for you to get the message across and through a ministry that he has one mission 
and that is to reconcile people to himself. And I absolutely love that. In all places and all times for all people. That's the mission. So lastly, God calls us to witness in word and action. It's not enough to believe it. In fact, the Jews said would say if you believed it, you'd actually do something about it. But God calls us to witness, to be martyrs in word and action. Understand it a little, enough that you can explain it to somebody else. Now, is it always going to work? You know, should you get a box, set it on the corner, start yelling at people as they walk by? Is your, is your message going to come across that way? You get a different message across. You're a fool. You're a loony, right? They're not going to take you seriously. So, which begs the concept, is message delivered as important as message received? <laughs> I know there's an answer, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to just keep guessing until I get it, right? <laughs> the message needs to be received. We do ministry, we do people, we do words and actions in such a way that it's well received. Because when you act crazy, when you're rude, when you're obnoxious, when you beat people over the head with stuff, uh, they just hate you. And they'll pick a side against you. And please don't do it because I don't want to end up in counseling with some other person who's been abused by church people. Right? It's like why I like to joke, church people are rough. Right? We're trying to reform them all and get them back off of their plan, off of themselves to God's mission of I love people, care people, created them on purpose with gifts and talents because I wanted to have an intense, intentional, immersive, interactive relationship. Oh no, Scott, last week there was only three of them. Now you got four I words for it. Yeah, I had a good week. This is what God wants for you. And watch what it says, Matthew chapter 18, or 28, verses 18 through 20. This is known as the Great Commission. It is Jesus stating pretty much, this is our one mission. Always has been, and from now on it will be for you too, you disciples. I'm about to leave. Here's what you need to know. Last chapter of Matthew, last few verses. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's most important? By whose decision? God the Father has decided that Jesus will be the most important. No, God's still the Father, most powerful. And how does that all work out? Oh, it's, it's like a long discussion. It goes in circles, right? But Jesus is the most important. And here's what he says, as most important, as the top of the organization, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's our Trinity reference, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Why? Because observance and obedience are the most important thing. Say no. Reconciliation is the most important thing. And obedience and observance of what he has taught gives you experiences where you go, this is kind of working. Maybe I should try it some more. Oh man, I'm enjoying myself even more than I was. I'm going to try it more. And it builds and it snowballs and it leads to full reconciliation. That's how it's meant to work. Well, Scott, I'm having trouble with my relationship with the Lord. Oh, really? Are you praying about it? No. I thought that was your job. No, man, I got enough problems of my own. 
When you start praying for yourself, it will start working. How about that for simple, no-brainer, overstating of the obvious at church? What can rock Bible church? We overstate the obvious. Why? Because we tend to neglect the obvious. And lo, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's an end. Why is there an end? Because the level of reconciliation that he wants for us can only be accomplished in heaven when we're directly with him. No more separation of heaven and earth. Love that. It says there, all authority in heaven and on earth. You know, there's another place where Jesus was talking about heaven and earth. He said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're reconciling heaven and earth. That's why there's an end. Oh, now I'm kind of looking forward to the end rather than dreading the end because all it is is death. Now I'm okay with death because death has a new definition because it's defined by God's one mission. His why. You see, in this, we have many, many doctrinal and theological concepts. Doctrine of salvation, doctrine of grace, doctrine of sacrifice, doctrine of love. Did I say forgiveness? I lost track of count. Doctrine of losing track and count of how many good things he has for us. Because they are his why. Write, write that down, memorize it, ingrain it in the back of your head. They are his why. Man, that's oversimplified, and yet not. We're meant to go and take God as himself and God with you and God as Trinity and get that message across to everybody we possibly can. It's why we show up here. It's why we take an offering. It's why we get the kids together. It's why we pay people to get the kids together. It's why we fix the floor. It's why we do things out there. It's why we send money to Vietnam. It's why we do all of the things that we do. And it's why we have open seats in the front row. So people have a place to sit when they come in here. Here's my question for you. How will you do it? With your family, how will you do it? with or without a spouse? How will you do it with lack of support? How will you do it when you're alone? How will you do it in your head and in your heart? How will you do it in public? How will you do it with your finances? How will you do it with your reasoning? Because the way you do it will be drastically different than everybody else and you're set up to be effective. Because God gets what he wants. We talked about he is sovereign and he's going to win. Why not win with him? Amen? Lord, thanks. Thanks that we're not left to ourselves. Thanks that it doesn't matter what country we live in. Thanks that it doesn't matter the direction of culture, the mentality, the best practices. 
thank you, Lord, that you're alive and well, still functioning, that you're not done yet. And thank you for giving us clarity, closure on your one mission, your one desire. And then help us, Lord, to be reconciled to you. Those that have believed and believed for a long time or believed for a short time, find new ways to continue to reconcile. May it be an ongoing process for each one of us. And then if you're here this morning and you've never bought into this, you're hearing about this kind of idea of who God is and that he wants you for the first time, and you're ready to say, I'm in. Tell God that. God, I want to be reconciled. Help that to sink in today for me. Show me how to engage in the process, Lord. The ministry of reconciliation. And then let me know. Wave your hand at me. Come talk to me later. Whatever it is. Or talk to someone else on staff if that's more comfortable for you. But help us help you. Lord, we thank you for all this. We thank you for the offering we're about to receive. And I pray you would use it to help our church purpose it for your one mission. We pray this your son Jesus' name. Amen.